Amen. It's good to be with you here today. Hopefully you're doing well, staying warm, and all of that good stuff. Uh, we're going to jump in real quick into 1 Timothy verse four, cha- chapter 4, verse 8. And here's what Paul says to us today. He says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits for this life and the life to come. I don't know about you, but I instantly feel a tension when I read that verse. Don't, don't you? Because we live in a culture that constantly tells us to train our physical bodies. You can go anywhere and it constantly tells us, you know what, you need to diet, you need to work out, you need to eat healthy, you need to do all of this stuff. They've trained us to think this way. And yet here, Paul says that's good, which it is good. It's good to take care of what God has blessed us with. He wants to highlight, though, that when that is good, there's something that's even better. There's something that's better of just training our physical bodies. And he says, and you can read in that verse, he says that training in godliness is better. Well, why does he say that? We all know that our bodies will fade, right? As we age, we can feel it. I'm in my mid-30s, and I can already feel my body fading. I sneezed the other day, and I couldn't move my neck for two days. That didn't happen when I was in my 20s, but it's happening now. And it slowly, it showed me that this is the way it's going to go. Our bodies are, are fading. Paul wants to remind us, he says, listen, they're temporary. They're temporary. So when, as it's good to take care of what God has blessed us with, our bodies, our physical bodies, he said there's something that we should, those who follow Christ, those who want to follow Jesus, there's something that's even more important. And that's training for godliness. That's training our spiritual lives. Because not only does it have good effects for us in this life, which I think you can relate to that, how good God has been to you in this life and and how you grow spiritually and how your life becomes well-rounded now. John 10.10 says that. It says that it's going to be for this life and the next. Paul's reminding us of that. Not only is it good for this life, but also for the next. This is the reason, this verse is the reason that we are launching into a new message series called 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. And prayer and fasting are two ways in which we can train for godliness. So in light of what Paul says in 1 Timothy 4.8, we want to train for godliness and two very specific practical things we can do is pray and fast. If you've been with us for the last six weeks, we've been going through our 2023 vision, and we've been looking at six very specific ways in which we want to grow in Christ. We want to grow our roots in Christ. And because of that, because we want God to work and we want God to do so much in the lives of our families and our individual lives and the lives of our church, we want to just pause as a church, and we want to pray, and we want to fast. When you read the Bible, it happens all the time when people are about to set off into something that they want God to move. Guess what they do right beforehand? They pray and they fast. And so that's exactly what we want to do. And so today, as you leave here, we're going to be handing out a 21-day prayer guide. We want to invite you to pray with us for 21 days straight. It starts tomorrow 
And so we're going to be praying through first, the first five days are going to be focused on our chapel values. We want to pray that God will enact those values in our, in our individual lives and in the life of this church. And then the next six days, we're going to pray through our specific roots that we have identified that we want to grow deeper in. And I hope that you want to grow deeper in those areas. And by the way, each one is going to have a passage of Scripture connected to it. So you can make this 21-day that, that as your devotional. And so if you want to just focus on that, that's available for you. And then the last few days are going to be all about asking God to work something very specific in your life. Very specific. We want you to join us for 21 days of prayer. And so hopefully you'll take that challenge. Hopefully you'll commit and you will join us in this endeavor. We want to see God work in not only our individual lives and the lives of our family, but we want to see God work in our church, the church family as well. And so that's why we want to pause, we want to pray, and we want to fast before we move on in this year. And so to kick off this series, we're going to look at the concept of fasting. The concept of fasting. And so you're probably like, great, here we go. But on Wednesday, started the Lent season. And if you grew up in any type of denomination, you probably, when Lent had came around, you probably started fasting. And that's okay. Because fasting is linked to the season of Lent. And so many of you maybe have given up chocolate on Wednesday and you're already struggling now. All right? But we're going to talk about what fasting truly is and why it's good for us and why it's good for training in godliness. And so let's begin by just simply defining what fasting is. And so very simply, fasting is abstaining from an influence in our lives for spiritual purposes. That's it. Fasting is abstaining for something that influences our life for some type of spiritual purpose. And so maybe it's a spiritual yearning for God. Like Daniel did when he wanted and yearned for God's grace, he fasted and he prayed. He yearned, he had a desire, he longed for God's mercy in his life. Or maybe we want to fast for a spiritual renewal which is Nehemiah. We see when Nehemiah wanted God to renew his people and build the walls back up, guess what he did? He prayed and he fasted. He wanted spiritual renewal. Or maybe we want to see spiritual revival. And in Acts chapter 14, we see as they commissioned people to go out and preach the gospel so that people could come to know Jesus, guess what the apostles did? They prayed and they fasted. They took time to abstain from an influence, which was food in that time, for a very specific spiritual purpose in life. Fasting is very important for our training and godliness in our spiritual lives, for our individual lives, the life of our family, and the life of our church. And that's why we're going to focus on it today. And so we're going to see what Jesus says about fasting. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. If not, it's going to be on the screens for you this morning. While you're turning to Matthew chapter 6, we've got to set up the context of why Jesus is even talking about fasting 
in the first place. So if you don't know, Matthew chapter 6 is right in the middle of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And so in Matthew chapter 5, with the Beatitudes, Jesus begins one of the greatest sermons of all time, and that goes through Matthew chapter 7. And in that great sermon of Jesus, you know what Jesus is doing? He's laying the groundwork of what it looks like to live inside of his kingdom. Jesus gives those who are going to follow him direction and a practical ethic of what it looks like to live as a Christ follower. If you don't want to know what a practical ethic is, is we've all established that in our families. Every single one of our family units, you have a practical ethic of what it looks like to live inside of that family unit. I can vividly remember when I first married my wife, we got married, we started laying out the practical ethic, and one of the things she quickly taught me was the idea that my towel didn't belong on the floor. It belonged on the hook in the bathroom. My entire life, I left my towel on the floor, and magically it ended up in the bathroom, thanks to my mom. But now that we were married, my wife said, listen, this is not how it's going to work. She was laying out a very good, practical ethic of what it looks like to live in our family unit. And this is what Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount. He's giving us this direction. He's giving us this, the guide, a guidance of what it looks like to live inside of God's kingdom. Of what it looks like to live as followers of Christ. And in chapter 6, he shifts and starts talking about very practical things we can do to train for godliness. And he talks about three aspects of training for godliness. He talks about giving, he talks about praying, and he talks about fasting. He shows us how not to give, pray, and fast, and he shows us how to give, pray, and fast. But that's not, Jesus isn't just going to give us a how-to list like a TED Talk. What he's going to do is show us an underlying message behind this. And here's his message that he has for us today. When it comes to the, our practical ethic, when it comes to what we do as followers of Christ, like giving, praying, and fasting, what Jesus wants us to understand is that when it comes to practically following him, what matters most is what's going on in our heart and the posture we have when we're doing those things. What matters most is what's going on in our heart and the posture we have as we're doing those things. Listen, we can give, we can pray, we can fast all we want, but if we don't have the right heart behind it, it's not going to mean much. And so Jesus wants to really show us what it truly looks like to practically train for righteousness, for practically train for godliness in our lives. And so part of that is talking about fasting. And so let's look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 through 18. Jesus says, And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your Father who knows what you are doing in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. The first thing I want to point out is Jesus says twice in that passage, when you fast. 
Do you know that we're never commanded to fast in the New Testament? It's never set in the New Testament saying you have to fast and you have to fast this many days and you have to do it this way. And so the question is, is why does Jesus assume that we're going to fast? Well, it's actually very simple because Jesus knows how profitable fasting is for our spiritual lives. Jesus knows, he knows how good it is for us to fast and how that is a good way for us to train in godliness. You see, he knows that fasting is a great way where we can grow deeper in our relationship with him. And so the question we have to ask is, how does fasting cause us to grow deeper with God? Isn't it just something that I give up for a while until Easter happens? No. It's much more spiritual than that because here's what fasting truly is. Fasting, when we fast, we are drawing us away from ourselves and into dependence on God. We are drawing us away from ourselves and into dependence on God. When we fast, we are combating our sinful pride, our self-reliance, And in humility, we're going before God and asking God to work in a mighty way in whatever circumstance we're going through in life. Fasting is so much more than just, I'm going to give up this until Easter. It is a way to draw us away from ourselves and into dependence and reliance on our God. This is why Jesus assumes and says, when you fast, Because he wants us to depend on him in all circumstances that we go through. And so because of that, he gives us, and we already read it, he gives us a way of the wrong way to fast and the right way to fast. And so let's re-look at the wrong way to fast. And so the wrong way to fast, he says, when you don't fast, or when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. The wrong way to fast is to fast like the hypocrites. To fast like the hypocrites. I feel like the hypocrites would have loved social media, right? To be able to put a a good picture on social media, but really in all reality, everything's not okay. You see, the hypocrite, that word hypocrite means stage actor. It means stage actor. These people would fast, but what they would do is they would go a step further and they would dishevel themselves. They would make themselves look miserable. They would make themselves look hungry and go, like, feel like they're hurting. They're literally putting on a show in their lives. The question is, is why would they do that? Well, we read it. It's so that people would admire them. And so that people would see them and say, oh my word, they are a spiritual superstar. They are just above and beyond. They are so holy. They are so good. Good job. That's why they would do it. They were doing it for human applause, for human acclaim, so that they themselves could be filled up. And in all reality, they weren't fasting for spiritual purposes. They were fasting for their own purposes. 
They were putting on a show. And listen, if there's one thing to know about our God is that he hates when we put on a show. He hates it. And I can say that because in Amos chapter 5, guess what God says to, to Israel? He says, I hate all your show. I hate all your pretense. I hate all your sacrifice. I hate all your feasts. I hate everything you do. Why is he saying that to his people? Well, it's because he can see their heart. He can see the motivation behind it. He can see their posture. He can see that his people aren't doing those things for God's glory. They're doing those things for their own glory. That's why Jesus in Luke 18, he sets up a parable. He says, the Pharisee over here, he walks in strutting his stuff into the synagogue and he announces how much he's giving, what he's giving. And guess what? He says, I also fast twice a day. Thank you, God, for making me not like the degenerate sinners over there. I am so good. Look at me. And yet, we have a tax collector over here who could hardly walk into the building. Can't even look up at God. And all he says is, have mercy on me, a sinner. The point of the parable is that God does not like our show. He does not like us to be hypocrites because he knows our true hearts. No matter who we are, it's all about our heart and our posture before God. And so the question you have to ask yourself today is how often are we like the hypocrites? How often do we go about our lives, especially our spiritual lives, putting on a show for others so that others will see us and admire us and applaud us rather than seeing and admiring the God who we're worshiping. We all have to ask that in our lives. How often do we resemble the hypocrite who's putting on a show in our lives? The hypocrite fasts for their own self-admiration, their own self-gratification, and their own acclaim. And I pray that we don't fall into that trap. I pray that that's not our bent in life, as easy as it is to fall into that temptation. That's the wrong way to fast. So what's the right way to fast? Listen, it doesn't matter what you're fasting for. A lot of people question like, oh, well, what do I even fast for? It's simple. You read in the scriptures, like I said before, we can fast for spiritual yearning, where we're yearning for God's mercy and grace in our life, or the life of our family, or maybe you have a family member who's severely ill right now, and you want God to work in a, a great way, and you yearn for God to work, guess what? Take some time to pray and fast. That's what we see in Scripture. Or maybe you want to see spiritual renewal, or maybe you want to see spiritual revival. It really doesn't matter what you're fasting for, but it, all that matters is that we want God to work, and then our heart behind it, and our posture behind it. Whatever the case may be, all that matters is that our fasting is a heart issue between us and God. Our fasting is a heart issue between us and God. It's not for other people to see and to admire us. It's between us and God because we want God to work in a huge way. We want to see God move in our hearts, in our lives. And so Jesus, that's what Jesus says. He says, when you fast, 
Did you notice the difference? He says, but when the hypocrites fast, but when you fast. There's a direct contrast there. He's saying those who are living outside of the kingdom, they're putting on a show. But if you are a Christ follower, if you are wanting to live inside God's kingdom, here's what you do. Don't look like the hypocrites. Don't act like the hypocrites. Here's the difference. And he goes on. He says, when you fast, comb your hair if you have any. And wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. Your Father who sees everything will reward you. Listen, our fasting should never be done to impress others or even God. Because God sees right to our hearts. He sees right to our motives. God wants us to embrace him in humility, to draw us away from ourselves and into dependence on God. And in humility, ask that God would work in a mighty way in our lives. That's all he wants. God wants us to take this next step. And when we do, the reward is significant. The reward is God himself. When we fast, we're setting aside the things of the world so we can focus and rely on God, and he's going to come through. When we fast, we're longing for God instead of the things of the world, and when we do that, he will come through. And when we fast, we're asking God to reveal where we fall short, and guess what? When we do that, he will come through. And to highlight this even more, we want to share an amazing story about Brittany Wadsworth, who's on staff here in our chapel kids. And so would you turn your attention to the screens. Hi, my name is Brittany Wadsworth, and um, as we were approaching this um, prayer and fasting subject, Pastor Eric just asked me to share um, a recent story, um, a current struggle, um, and how fasting has played a role in that. About the end of 2019, I can clearly remember New Year's Eve, and I just was kind of at the end of myself. Um, I frankly was just sick of me. <laughs> I was sick of my body, I was sick of how I felt, and so I felt like, um, word of the year, everybody having a word of the year was really trendy, and so I felt like going into January of 2020, um, I would find a word for myself. And so after just praying and, um, and just thinking about it, I felt like um, Jesus gave me the word abide. And so I began January of 2020, and that's what I did. I didn't make any changes um, with what I was struggling with. I, I just was abiding in Jesus. And so I would um, focus on my chair time every day made it more consistent. Um, I just allowed myself to just really lean into him. And through that, um, I just really came to a realization that there was a part of my life that I hadn't really given over to him. And that was um, my food addiction. Um, I found myself filling my, my body and my emotions and my heart with food. And um, he really started to work on me. During um, just working and processing in my heart, um, my first thought was, okay, so I'll go on a diet, and I'll work out, and I'll lose the weight, and, um, and that's what Jesus wants for me. And I just felt like God was like, no, I just want you to abide. I just want, I want you to um, be filled with me. And so, um, as God would have it, I was in Hobby Lobby, and I ran across this book called um, The 40-Day Sugar Fast. And what it was was really a physical detox that creates spiritual transformation. And so I really felt at that point um, God was asking me to fast. 
I had never really been in a deep state of um, dependence on God in that way. Um, I had learned that I fed my heart and my soul with food <laughs> um, my whole life, and I had gotten it under control on and off again, but really, really taking care of the heart issue um, had just not happened in my life. And so I surrendered um, sugar for, um, for 40 days, um, and what I found with that fasting from something um, in a tangible way, it just really supercharged um, God to be able to almost use a scalpel in my heart in a way that he couldn't do otherwise. Addiction is real. Um, for me, it's food. It could be social media. It could be alcohol. It could be busyness. But for me, um, fasting from something that I was so depending on and just having to rely on God um, just emptied myself. And God was able to just work in me in a different way. So fasting has helped me to understand that he's enough. He's the only one that's going to sustain me. And it's helped me to rely on him and need him in a different way than I ever have before. It's helped me to take my little literal hunger. I'm hungry for food into a holy hunger. Um, I know that I cannot stay away from sugar and food without the dependence of him. I'm able to give him the glory for any victory that I have. Um, I have to rely on him entirely. It's been incredibly rewarding. Um, it's a journey that I'm continually on and I really believe it'll be something that I'll have to rely on God for the rest of my life. But what I found um, is that the reward of prayer and fasting, sure, I've, I've lost a couple sizes, I've lost some weight, but that's not the reward. The reward for prayer and fasting is found in the prayer and fasting. As we just saw, fasting draws us away from ourselves and into dependence on God. It causes us to abide in him so that he can work in our hearts and he can work in our lives. Fasting is so much more than simply giving something up until Easter. It is a deep spiritual connection with God so that our relationship with him can grow deep, so that our roots can grow deeper into Christ. And that's why for the next 21 days, we want to invite you to join us as we pray and as we fast and as we ask God to work wonders in our lives, the lives of our families, and in the life of our church family. We want to see God move in our way, but we don't want to fast and pray for show, though. I pray that if you take this challenge, that you earnestly desire God to work that you earnestly yearn for God to work in your heart, that you earnestly want to see renewal, that you earnestly want to see revival, that you truly want to see God move in such a way you haven't seen in a while. And so to give you some practical steps as we leave here today, because maybe you've never fasted before, and you know what? That's okay. There's always a great time to start tomorrow, all right? And so a few things to ask yourself. I'm going to go back. The first thing is, if you've never fasted before, it's really good to identify what has a controlling influence on my life. Notice how I said, don't pick something, just whatever. It's a controlling influence on my life. Like if I said, hey, I'm going to fast from Brussels sprouts, it's not going to affect my life. In fact, I'm going to be happier for it. A controlling influence means you're, you're going to feel it. So maybe 
as putting down your phone for a while and praying and fasting and fasting from your phone so you can pray. Maybe it's, it's walking away from Netflix. Maybe it's putting ESPN down, whatever the case may be. What's a controlling influence? Maybe it is food, like Brittany's story. What's that controlling influence? What are you going to feel if it's not there? That's the point of it. What is a controlling influence? And then second, you have to ask yourself, what are you going to replace it with? Because not everybody's the same. Some of us can't sit down and pray for an hour straight or else our mind just kind of goes everywhere. So maybe you say instead of Netflix at night, I'm going to go on a walk and I'm going to pray. Or maybe you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to go through a psalm a day. And so instead of this, I'm going to go through this psalm. I don't know what the case may be, but whatever you give up, then you have to identify what you want to replace that with. And then the last thing to ask yourself is the time frame. Is the time frame. Some of you are not ready to fast every single day for the next 21 days, and that's okay. That's okay. Maybe you're going to do once in the next three weeks. That's fine. And maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum and you're ready to go. You're like, yes, let's do 21 days. Whatever the case may be, it's good to develop a time frame you want to do this. Maybe it's a whole day. Maybe it's a lunch. Maybe it's an hour. Whatever the case may be. These are some very practical steps that we can take to fast and pray so that we can see God work in a mighty way in our lives, in the lives of our family, in the lives of our church family. And let me just say this. Maybe you're wondering why this is even important. But listen, Jesus knows how beneficial it is for us. We see prophets doing it when they want to see God work in a mighty way. We see apostles doing it. And for thousands of years, people inside of God's kingdom have prayed and they have fasted. All too often do I hear people say, you know what? I don't know if God's real. He's not showing up. And my first question is, is well, have you prayed? Have you fasted? Have you truly sought God out? So often do we want God to show up without us doing anything. But just like working out in our physical lives, the intention is okay, but if you actually don't work out, you're not going to get any of the benefits from it, are you? It's the same thing in our spiritual lives. Jesus gives us these practical things for us to do so that we can experience him in a whole new way. And so I pray that you would join us over these next 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I am so excited to see what God's going to do in this church. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy today. We thank you that we have the ability to approach you in humility. We thank you that you see our hearts. God, I pray that if we accept this challenge to pray and to fast, to draw closer to you and depend on you, God, that we would do it with the right heart with the right motive. God, for your glory and for the sake of others. God, we ask that you would work in a mighty way. We pray this in your name. Amen. On your way-